enjoy your enjoy your fellowship today and i'm looking forward to hearing what the yes, lord's sir. giving you to preach for us all right thank you pastor appreciate that so much it is a delight to be here now i have to be honest with you i am from south carolina actually i'm from alabama and uh we uh i saw more snow today on the road than we'll see probably in about five or six years in alabama and uh, I don't like the cold. I, I would rather it be 100 degrees with 100% humidity all day long. And uh, that's why God has me in Greenville and you right here in Pennsylvania. And uh, that's all right. I'll tell you what I'd like to do tonight. I, um, I've really tried to pray about maybe what would be a help to the church and um, not knowing who is here. Now, I've learned a few names. I believe I've got Corey and Mackenzie down back there and maybe Brian and Lou. And I think I've got most of the Williams family. Connor, I believe I've got that. Abigail and Isabel and Liberty and Lindsay and Savannah. Is that right? From Georgia. No, you're not from Georgia. I'm sorry. But, um, but just because you know somebody's name doesn't mean that you know what's in their heart. And just because you're in a church building doesn't mean that you really know what people have need of. And so what I'm going to do my best to do tonight, I'm going to try to just, I'm going to try to preach more about maybe what might be something underneath that we would never want to really admit to. And uh, we'll look at that in just a minute. But I, I've got a request, 393 for you guys right there, 393, 393, 393. I need you to turn to 393. All right. And I'd like you guys, while they're turning that, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 3, if you would. 1 John chapter 3. And I want y'all to sing the first and third verse just sitting right there. Can y'all do that? All right. We, we'll leave Connor out on this one right here, okay? I want you to, this is a song written by Fanny Crosby, a woman that had never, uh, had the, never had the privilege of seeing the light of the sun, never saw a blue sky. Um, she never saw the green grass or leaves. She never saw the face of her mother, of her father. She never saw what a car, a building, a church would look like, and yet she wrote thousands of hymns. And this is one of them, and this is what I'm really going to preach on tonight. So y'all sing that first and third. I want you to listen to this. I want you to think along. It's 393 if you want to look at the words. Y'all go right ahead. Sing it, girl. Beautiful words. My song. Do the third verse. Perfect submission. Well, that's what our world doesn't have. Amen. Happy. Blessed. 
Amen. Thank you, girls. Is that your story? Is that the song you could sing? Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to preach here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that we have that not only did you go to a cross and pay for our sins and rise again the third day, but then you offered salvation freely to all that might believe. Lord, we thank you that we can know that our sins have been taken away and we've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, you'd help me tonight to be able to to preach about what you put in my heart in such a way that would help your people. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That song says, Blessed Assurance. If you look there in 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says this. We're going to turn to several passages tonight. But the Bible says this, verse number 18, My little children, let us not love in word, 1 John 3, 18, neither in tongue, but indeed and in truth, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. That phrase right there in verse number 21 that says, we have confidence toward God. That's really what I'm aiming at tonight. Confidence in God. And the phrase right above that, there in verse number 19, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. So the Bible says we can know that we are of the truth and we can assure our hearts. We can have a heart that is full of assurance. Assurance of what? Assurance that we're part of the family of God, that we've been born again, that we are part of God's family, that heaven is our home. If you look across the page, 1 John 5, look at verse 13. And brother, if I could get that water, my throat is already acting up. Is it over here? It's over here. Door number one. Amen. 1 John 5, 13. Look, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He said, now I've written these things, First John 5 chapters, many times it says things that we know. And, and what, that's what we looked at in verse number 19 of chapter 3, hereby we know that we are the truth. Chapter th- 5 and verse 13, I've written these things that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And I really believe that that is something that is oftentimes struggled in the hearts of people that have been born again, that have been saved. In fact, tonight, I I would not doubt that there's somebody probably in the congregation 
that if you're here listening right now to my voice and we're, we're already beginning thinking about, do I have full assurance that I'm going to heaven when I die? Is there doubt in my mind? Have I worried or have I doubted about whether or not I was genuine or whether or not I did what I was supposed to do? And there's so many things that come into people's minds. And I have, I have listened to many people. And I mean good people, godly people. I'm talking about pastors' wives and missionaries and, and people that I hold in high esteem. And they have a problem with doubting their salvation. They have a problem not having confidence toward God, but just the opposite. They have a lack of confidence. And I don't believe that's the way God wants us to live. I believe He wants you to know that you're born again. I believe He wants you to know and have a heart that is full of assurance. I, I never, I never doubted one time in my life that I belonged to Wyman and Carolyn Logan. I never did that, but I had an uncle one time. We were having a family get together. And he told me, he said, Joel, you weren't really born at Decatur General Hospital. I said, yes, I was. That's what mom and dad told me. He said, no, you weren't born at Decatur General Hospital. You were born down in the pig pen down there. And I said, I was not. He said, yes, you were. And then he said, your mom and daddy, not even your mom and daddy, you've been adopted. So I beat him real hard. <laughs> he tried to put a little doubt in my mind. Then he laughed. He said, no, because I went mom and dad. I'm born in the pig pen. <laughs> Are you my mom and daddy? And you know, he was putting doubt in my mind about something that really couldn't be changed. Because on November 15, 1965, I was born to Wyman and Carolyn Logan. And no matter whatever else happened in the world, that would never change. And that was something that was a truth, but there was something that was being put doubt in my mind. Now, I want you to understand tonight, if you have doubted your salvation, or if you're doubting now, or if you're not certain that heaven's your home, I want you to notice that that's not an uncommon thing. If you would take and look over in Matthew chapter 4 for just a minute. Matthew chapter 4. And excuse me, we'll start in Matthew chapter 3. Now I said we'll turn a lot tonight and I'm going to do what I don't normally do. I'm going to take my time in turning to the passages because I want you to see them. I want you to look at this in your Bible because what I'm preaching to you tonight is not Baptist doctrine. What I'm preaching to you tonight is Bible doctrine. I want you to leave tonight looking in a Bible and knowing what the Bible says more than you remembering what I had to say because really what I had to say really doesn't matter that much, but what the Bible has to say, that means everything. All right, so in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus Christ comes out publicly and is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And when that happens, the Bible says in verse 17, look at Matthew three seventeen, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is identified. As God's Son on the earth. God manifest in the flesh. And there is a literal voice from heaven. There's a voice that says, This is my beloved Son. That came from God. God is saying, Jesus Christ is my beloved Son. He's not the Son of Joseph. He's the Son of God. Alright? That was something stated audibly. Then we come to chapter 4 and Jesus is led into the wilderness. And when he gets into the wilderness, the devil comes to him. And look at what he says to him. The first thing out of his mouth, look at it. In verse number 3, 
And when the tempter came to him, he said, now watch, if thou be the Son of God. The first thing the devil does is question Jesus Christ's identity. In other words, in Matthew 3.17, God Himself from heaven says, This is my beloved Son. Those are the words of God. And in chapter 4 and verse 3, the devil looks at Jesus and says, If thou be the Son of God. If you're really who that voice says you are. And he is, he is taking and using doubt or trying to put doubt in the mind of Jesus Christ. Look at it again. Chapter 4. Look what he says in verse number 6. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written. So Satan is talking to Jesus. And he is, he is questioning his identity. And so I, I've heard people say this. Well, I've never doubted my salvation. Well, I'm glad you haven't. But I'm telling you right now that Satan himself was trying to get Jesus to doubt his identity. Do you see that? There are people that think, well, if I doubt my salvation, then I just can't be saved. And it's an awful thing. Look, if the devil would work overtime on Jesus Christ to get him to doubt his salvation, <laughs> he's probably not going to have nearly as a tough a time with you and I. Now, I'm glad Jesus knew who he was. But you know what? You can know who you are as well. That's what we just looked at in 1 John 3. That you can have confidence toward God. That you can have a heart that is full of assurance. That you can know that you have eternal life. Now that is something God wants you to know. I'm telling you, when you leave here tonight, we read in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know. That you have eternal life. We read in 1 John 3, 19, it says that, that, that we can have a heart that is full of assurance. A heart of assurance toward God, confidence toward God that we are of the truth. Now go back then to chapter 3 of 1 John. If you put a little marker there, we'll take a little time and get back there if you, you'll do that. And I know we're going to turn tonight in the Bible. And again, I, I don't know if you're accustomed to doing that, but tonight, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn in the Bible. And 1 John chapter 3 now, then you say, well, listen, well, then why, why then do we doubt? Why do we doubt? Our dear brother uh, talked about being saved, and uh, I believe you said, how old again, Brother Williams? How old were you when you got saved? 23. I got saved when I was five years of age. I got saved, I think, the first time I ever understood that I was a sinner. I grew up in a Bible-believing church, and and uh, my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, my mother played the organ. My mother, four foot, ten inches tall. And she played the organ. She had eyes in the back of her head. She knew when I was cutting up and when I wasn't cutting up. I could feel, I'll tell you. But I, but I was raised in church. I, I was raised in a home where there was no alcohol. There was, I've never seen my mother and dad fight. He went to heaven about two months ago. I never saw my mother and dad have one crossword. There was always love in our home. There was always peace in our home. That's the only thing I knew. And at five years of age, my brother and I, we were playing. I only have one brother, just one. And we're playing, and I hurt him. And when I hurt him, I got to thinking, you know, that was bad. I shouldn't have done that. And the longer I got to think about it being bad, the more I realized. No, the Lord said, no, that, that wasn't bad. That was a sin. I thought, well, that was a sin. And, that was, and then I thought, well, if that was a sin, I'm a sinner. And if I'm a sinner, preacher said sinners end up in hell. 
I'm going to hell. You said at five years of age, at five years of age. I went running to dad and I'm crying. I said, dad, I'm going, I'm going. He said, why are you crying? I said, daddy, I'm going to hell. And he said, <laughs> and look, at five years of age, I didn't know if you, you know, when you found out you're a sinner, I didn't know if you're leaving that night. Really? I didn't know. And so I said, dad, what do I do? He took the Bible. And he showed me that Jesus Christ paid for my sins personally. And as a five-year-old boy, I got saved. Well, when I, when I got 16 years of age, I, I forsook everything that I was ever raised to believe and just began going the wrong direction. And it all started by playing basketball and hearing things about myself that weren't true. Look, you guys can look at me. I'm five foot ten inches tall. There was never a question whether I play college basketball or anything like that. And yet I played at a little Christian school, smaller group of people. And I started on the team at night in the ninth grade. So I was, I was really good and I got the wrong friends and it all went down from there. And by the time I was 21, I was telling Leon this, by the time I was 21, I was so far away from God and uh, my life was a wreck. At 23 years of age, I got right with and I was so excited, man. I got out of the, if you know the story about the prodigal son, that's my story. I got out of the pig pen. And I, if you've ever been in the pig pen, getting out of it, it's a blessing to get out of it. I got, I got accepted back into my family. I made things right with my mom and I made them right with my dad and I made them right with my brother. And I started back in church and I'm enjoying singing the songs that are in the hymn book and I'm listening to preaching. And in the middle of all that, in the middle of all that, my grandfather points me to Monroe, North Carolina. And I go there and I visit a friend and I start helping in the church. And what happened to me is in verse 21. You look in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Verse 20, if our heart condemn us. And I'm telling you, I got to doubting my salvation so badly. Because here's, here's, what, here's what the devil put in my mind. There's no way you could be saved and have lived like Anybody that lived like that, that partook of what you partook of, anybody that, that did those things, that said those things, that experienced those things, you're not saved, you're going to hell. And I would go back, but I, I was at five, I, I got saved, and it was a struggle in my, it was such a struggle, because in my heart, I believe I'm a child of God, but then in my mind, how could I have done that? And my heart was condemning me. And one of the reasons people doubt is because of condemnation of their own heart. Their heart condemns them. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know everything you've done in your life. Could you say amen to that? Your wife, your wife, sister, I'm sure you have a great relationship, but I guarantee you there's some things about your husband you don't know. But he knows. And when you get to think about things you've done and things you've said, things, you've been, things you took advantage of, I remember I got so convicted one time my mother played the piano at church and the organ and we were in a music shop and I'm in a music shop and I still feel convicted today. And we're in this, and my brother and I are going through there and we're doing what little boys do. We're hitting, we're putting the keys and going down through there and didn't this. And I hit a key and it broke. And I started looking around and I took that key and I put it back on there. I mean, it was a piano. I can't buy a piano. I couldn't even buy a box of Cracker Jacks, man. I can't buy a piano. I'm sticking this thing, and I'm I'm looking, and I got so convicted about that. You broke that piano key. I tried to remember what store it was. Couldn't find it. Asked mom later on. Never did make it right. Somebody got a broken a piano with a broken key because I was playing. But my heart condemned me for a whole lot worse than that. 
The answer to a heart that condemns you is in verse number 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Excuse me, verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You know, the answer to a heart that condemns you is there's a God in heaven that's got a greater ability to forgive than you have ability to forgive your own self. God is greater than our heart. I'm glad I have a God greater than my heart. And that was something that I struggled with. So we doubt sometimes because of our own self-condemnation. I have no idea who I'm preaching to. There may be somebody in here that did something to a child, a wife, a husband. And the devil will come along and he'll say, you're not born again because of what you did. And he'll use that to condemn you. The self-condemnation. And all I would tell you is this. Jesus Christ, when the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, he meant all sin. And that is the only solution to that. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. Listening to the devil. In John chapter 8, the Bible says that the devil is a liar. How many of you know that Satan is a liar? He was a liar from the beginning. You know the first thing that came out of his mouth was, yea, hath God said? He, he asked Eve. He's talking with Eve. And he says, what, did God really say what he said? Are you sure that he said that? He put doubt in the mind of Eve and she ate of the fruit and died and we have sin and we have death as a consequence of it. And all I'm saying is that when you listen to the devil, you're listening to the wrong voice. If you listen to anything, you ought to be listening to this Bible you have in your hand right here. The promises that God makes, he doesn't break. But the devil's such a liar. Oh, he told me, he said, you couldn't be saved and have lived like that. And really, when I finally got victory over that, I got victory over that. I'll tell you a little bit how. I, I got victory, through, I'll just tell you now, I got victory through a promise of God. Let me show you my promise that I got victory on. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. I think it's the greatest, greatest verse on assurance of salvation in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Well, the Bible says in verse number 12, another song that we know, 2 Timothy 1.12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hey, church, can I tell you what? I know whom I have believed. I had I heard a preacher say this. He said, if you don't know the date, how do you know you're really saved? And I couldn't remember the date. And it started bothering me. And so I'm up in my daddy's study. I pull down a Bible and I look in the middle of the Bible and it's got the date right there. It says Joel saved and it had August and it had the date 1970. And then it said baptized September and it had the date 1970. I said, I got my date. I'm in. And then it was like the Lord leaned over and said, Joel, I knew the date the whole time. So you know what I did? I left those dates in the Bible because I know whom I have believed. I don't need a date. I need a Savior is what I need. Some people say, I can't remember what I prayed. Your prayer is not what got you into the family of God. There is no formula that gets you into the family of God or causes you to be accepted by God. It's not the prayer. It's the faith. It's not knowing what I prayed. It's whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. I didn't believe in Buddha. I didn't believe in Islam. I didn't believe in my mother and dad. I didn't believe in the pastor of my church. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed. You know, you may get to a place one day in your life, you may not know who your family is. There's a friend of ours. 
And uh, we gave him a van this past Sunday. We gave him a handicapped van. His wife has Alzheimer's, and she just doesn't know what to say. And when we gave her the, the van, we sang Victory in Jesus in, in amazement. Our people were amazed. She was singing every word. Of, she, she doesn't know people by name. She doesn't speak. She just smiles. But she started saying, I heard an old, old story of a saint who came from Lord. Got every word right. You, know, you may get to a place you don't know who you are. But that's all right because God's the one that's keeping the record book. I know whom I have believed. I know whom. So when my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart. And instead of listening to Satan, I ought to listen to the Bible and believe what it has to say. A third reason that people doubt their salvation, and this is not the message, but this is the, the reason we doubt our salvation or lose our assurance is because of the presence of sin. Now I know we have a bunch here tonight. This is Monday night, and we came in here to hear from God and we came in here and we've sung songs about Jesus and we've rejoiced and others singing about Jesus. But you know what's true of all of us in here? We all have a flesh. And if we all have a flesh, then that means none of us, none of us are exempt from sinning. That's right. I probably sinned today. I probably sinned today when I murmured and complained about how cold it was. That's right. Bible says do all things without murmuring and disputing. You know what I was doing out there? It's so cold. I hate this cold. You know, the presence of sin is something that will rob you of your assurance. Because here's what the Bible says in Psalm 66. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It breaks fellowship. We had a lady in our church. She came to an altar. And we had folks getting saved. And she came to me and one of my Sunday school teachers got saved. She said, preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. When somebody says, I don't know if I'm saved, I don't deal with them about salvation. I deal with them about assurance. And I said, well, let me ask you a question, Lori. Is there any sin in your life right now that you're holding on to that God has dealt with you with? And you haven't let go of it yet? She said, yeah. I said, what's that? She said, he's dealt with me about smoking. I said, well, you're going to have to quit that, aren't you? And she said, yeah. Now, you don't go to hell for smoking. I didn't say that. You just smell like it. God had dealt with her about a particular thing he wanted her to stop doing. And she, she wouldn't do it. So she wept. We prayed at the altar. She got up. And she'd come into church, and I'd say, Lord, how you doing? She said, it's been three weeks. I said, you, how you doing with salvation? She said, I'm, I'm saved, preacher. I'm saved. And then time would go on out a little bit farther. And it got out there probably maybe five or six months. I said, hey, Lori, you still saved? She said, oh, preacher, I'm saved. And then time got on farther. And, and it, would be, it would be one of those little things that we would just kind of one of those inside little moments. I, it might be four years later, and I'd say, I'd say, hey, Lori, are you still saved? She said, preacher, I hadn't had a cigarette in four years. I'm born again. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And she just smiled. You know the devil, if he can get you to hold on to a sin, he can get you to leave and lose your assurance of something God wants you to know. Because you start looking for judgment. You start looking for God to punish you. You start looking for God to say, hey, look, that's wrong. And I think that's it's in the Bible. And what we have to do is we have to say, look, if there's presence of sin, I'm going to get rid of that sin so I can have assurance. And I'd like to say this tonight. It's a whole lot better to have a heart full of assurance than it is to have a handful of sin. Amen. Another reason, fourth reason, is because we neglect the Scripture. 
Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How many believe that what I'm holding in my hand is the word of God? you believe that? I know some of you say it's the word of men, but it, it's written in such a way. Listen, there are 30 prophecies about one man that all came to pass exactly where they were supposed to. I don't believe that anybody can make those kind of predictions. That has to come from somebody that can see the end from the beginning. Amen. And there, every promise is true. And I get such help from the Bible. But if you, if you don't read your Bible, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I neglect my Bible and I don't read it, then there's going to be a weakness in my faith. Reading the Bible produces faith. It helps your faith. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was working in, in Tabernacle Baptist Church years ago, um, when I first got right with God, there was a lady that liked to gossip. And she would catch me and she would talk about all kinds of stuff going on in the church. And it bothered me. I didn't know what to do about it. She was older than I was and... And, and I, listen, and it, 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 it got to, every time I saw her, I knew what was going to happen. She was going to tell me all about this thing and that thing. And I was just going to sit there and I was going to feel like somebody just poured dirt all over me and, and just dumped the trash on me. And then when I walked off, I wasn't going to feel happy. It wasn't going to feel good. And she was a staff member. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go to Dr. Sider and say, you got a, you got a long tongue woman on this staff back here. You need to do it. But I, I thought, oh, I can't do that because I'm barely right with God. They're going to kick me out if I go accusing somebody of that. And finally, I read in my Bible one day. I read in Proverbs. Proverbs says this, that an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue. And I thought, I wonder if that would work. So I decided the next time I saw her, when she was coming, I was ready. I, I know what I'm doing today. Because I read it. And she started talking, and I just did this. And she just kept talking about something else, and I just. And listen, I, can, I, can I step off this? I feel like I can't step off this. And the longer she talked, the more I tried to look angry. And th this is what she did. She started, she's still talking about people. And she's still get, just pouring out all the trash. But she, she gets lower and lower in her voice. And she starts looking down at the floor. And she gets quieter and quieter. And she walks off. And when I walked out of that room, I went, yes! It worked! And I found the, listen, I found the Bible to be filled with promises that work. But if I don't read the Bible, if the only time I open a Bible is when I come to church, then probably all the faith I'll have is about a couple hours on Sunday. I won't have a heart full of assurance. But if I'll get up in the morning and I'll open up the pages of this precious book and I'll let God speak to me through His Word, and I do believe God speaks to you through His Word, then my life, my faith can begin to grow and my heart can begin to grow. And instead of having a closed Bible or having a good luck charm on the family table, I've got something so much more. I've got a living book that speaks to my heart and my faith grows and it helps assurance to grow. I can't tell you how many people I've said, have you got, a, have you got any unknown sin in your life? No, preacher. I, 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 everything God's dealt with about I've gotten out of my life. Are you reading your Bible? No, preacher, I hadn't read my Bible. I said, won't you start doing that? And I'll start asking them, hey, how you doing with that salvation thing? Oh, preacher, I'm saved. I'm already finished with the New Testament. I'm I know I'm born again. You know, another thing, a refusal to witness. How many, how many of you had somebody tell you about Jesus Christ and that's how you got in? Anybody? Somebody told you. You know, the Bible says we're, we're supposed to be witnesses. Mark chapter 5. Don't turn that, but a maniac of Gadara 
a man that's crazy, cuts himself, lives in the tombs, cries out. He met Jesus Christ. Jesus cast the devils out. And here's what he said. I want to stay with you. And Jesus said, no, you can't stay with me. I want you to go home and tell thy friends how great thing the Lord has done for you. I want you to go back and you tell everybody just exactly what I've done for you. Boy, I like to say tonight, God has sure done so many great things for me. I'm, I'm telling you, I know you don't know me. To, to have been where I was at age 23 and to be where I am now and to have a marriage that's whole and to have four kids and to have a ministry and, and to have a life that is full of blessing and all kinds of... I'm telling you, I, I can't, I, I'd never be able to pay back God what He's done me. My God has loaded me with benefits. I'm loaded me with benefits. Right, he's been good. But if, you, if you're not careful, if you're not a witness, what happens is you fail to tell anybody about what God's done for you. And I think he wants you to tell somebody. And so uh, my organist in Alabama, I'm talking about a godly woman. She plays the organ. She's a godly woman. She came to me one service. She said, preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. I said, what do you mean you don't know if you're saved? She said, I'm, I'm having problems with my salvation. So I started off, I said, well, listen, um, is there any sin in your life, Lynette, that, that God's dealt with you about? She said, no, sir. I said, are you reading your Bible? She said, I read it every day. I said, do you tell anybody about what Jesus did for you when you got saved? She said, no, preacher, I don't do that. I said, why don't you pick out five people this week and you go tell them about what Jesus did for you when he saved you and come back and let's talk about it. Well, that was on Sunday. On Wednesday night, I come walking in, and Lynette Elkins is over there, and she is playing the organ, and she's smiling from ear to ear. I already know what's fine. I know what she's fixing to tell me. I walk up to her, and I said, Lynette, I said, she said, I'm saved, preacher. <laughs> I said, you are? I, she said, yes. Yeah. She said, I've already told five people. I'm telling you right now, I know I'm born again. I just need to start telling people about what God had done for me. I've seen her so many times through the years. She's come through cancer and so many things. I know where I'm going, preacher. There are reasons that we doubt. If you're not telling people about what Jesus did for you, then that will cause you to doubt because you're not being obedient to what He wants you to do. And then if you've got sin in your life, it will short-circuit your fellowship with God and it will cause you to doubt and look for judgment. If you don't read your Bible, it will cause you to doubt because you're not filling your heart with words of faith. And if you let your heart condemn you, if you let your heart condemn you and you don't rest in what God's done for you, then it will cause you to doubt your salvation, to lose your assurance. I do not want to lose my assurance. Uh, I don't know. How many of y'all How many of y'all enjoy flying on a plane? Can I just see your hand? How many of you like to fly? All right. That's not very many. How many of you don't like to fly? All right. Why don't you like to fly? Hmm? You're floating. Yeah, at about 500 miles an hour at 35,000 feet. <laughs> and the seat below you is a flotation device. That's going to really help. Right. People don't like fly. You know, I, I've done this a lot of times on the airplane. I probably shouldn't do it. I probably shouldn't tell you. Y'all going to think less of me. That's okay. I look at somebody and I say, hey, listen, how you doing? Doing fine. Hey, I pastor such and such a church. That's great. Okay, well, I, I work at such and such a uh, uh, you know, lighting business. Well, that's great. Well, let me ask you a question. You ever thought about it? If, if you died, do you know where you're going? Why are you talking about dying up here in a plane? 
I've had people tell me that. Well, I don't talk about that up here. <laughs> well, why not? I've wa- I've watched people. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people yakking on the plane. They don't do it now because everybody's got a device they're plugged into in their ears. But I'm telling you, what happens when it gets time for takeoff? It's amazing how sleepy the whole plane gets. People scared to fly. They're afraid about what may happen. You know, it's a blessing to know. Are you listening to me? It's a blessing to know that whatever happens, when I close my eyes in death and I open them, that I'll be present with the Lord Jesus Christ in a place called heaven whose builder and maker is God. You can know that. And God wants you to know that. God wants you to have a heart that's full of confidence and assurance. And those things that come between, you've got to move those out. But now, let me look at one other thing with you. Go back to 1 John chapter 3, if you would. Are you there with me right now? We'll look at just a few more verses, and then we'll be finished. I don't know how long I've preached tonight. Um, it's about 8.26. What time are you going to stop, Pastor? About 8.30? All right, okay. <laughs> so my assurance and my confidence is based on my relationship. Not my fellowship. First John 3 1. Now look at it. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That's Calvary. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. How many of you have that in your Bible? Now are we the sons of God. You know what that means? That means that right now, You are a child of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. The Bible is very clear that I am a child of God right now. This is not something that's a work in progress. It's not like a woman that is carrying a baby in her womb that is being developed over nine months. No, right now you are a child of God. Of God. Look at it again there in verse number uh, verse number seven. Look what it says in verse number seven. Little children. All right, that's that means you're part of family. Little children, let no man deceive you. All right? Little children. Look in verse number nine. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. So there is somebody that's born of God, a child of God, a little child, the Bible says. Look at verse number 10. In this the children of God are manifest. So I'm a child of God. I may not look like that, but I'm telling you tonight, because when I was five years old and I got saved, I became a child of God. I'm part of his family. It's a relationship now that I have with him. It's not something that I'm just in fellowship with God. I have fellowship with God, and that can be broken, but my relationship can never be broken because, again, verse number two, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Right now. Right now. Leon, what, what year were you born? Yeah, yes, sir. 47. What was your mom and dad's name? So Mary and Paul in 1947 brought you into this world. Is it, Le- is it Le- 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 Leroy? Give me your name again. I know it's in there somewhere. Lou. There it is, Lou. So Lou in 1947, his mom and dad brought him into this world. Is there anything that can change the fact that he's part of their family. If he were to renounce his name, is his mom and dad still Mary and Paul? And would he still have been born in 1947? Come on, is that true? 
If he went out and became a serial killer and did the most heinous things in the world, Lou, you don't look like that kind of guy to me. But if you if you if he did, if he went out and he just, I mean, he just killed people and, and did all kind of heinous acts, would that change the fact that he was born in 1947 to Paul and Mary? Wouldn't change that. What if they wrote him a letter and said, you're out of our family, we don't ever want you to be in our family again? Would that change the fact that he's part of Paul and Mary's biology in 1947? Would that change that? Can anything change that? So in 1947, he was born into the family of Mary and Paul. And nothing can change that. The day that you got born again, you were put into the family of God and nothing can change that. I want to show you that. Look at John chapter 1 and John chapter 3 and I'm just about finished. If you go, Not First John, but John. The book of John. John chapter 1. Now again, I, I, I believe I, have, I deal with this as much as any other subject that I deal with. And I'm preaching tonight because I want to help you. I'm not trying to attack whatever. You, you may not even be Baptist. I'm not trying to attack your doctrine. I'm trying to show you what's in the Bible. That's all I'm doing. All right? And I want you to be able to leave. And some of you may have been, listen, you may be struggling with this. And if you are, I hope this is something that really helps you. John chapter 1. Look what the Bible says about being born. In verse number 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now watch. Which were born not of blood, not physically, nor of the will of the flesh, so it wasn't a work that was done, nor of the will of man, not something that was conferred upon you by somebody else, but of God. They were born of God. So John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So the day that you believed on his name and what he did, you got put into the family of God. God became your father. Look at it, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And I know you know the passage, those of you that know the Bible well. But the Bible says this, Jesus. Jesus says in verse 3 of John 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born twice. Nicodemus, verse 4, saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He asked the question. You said born again. How am I supposed to do that? I'm an old man. I can't enter back into my mother's womb and be born. How can I do that? What do you mean born again? Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's physically, and of the spirit, that's spiritually, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born Again, I have two birthdays. I have a birthday, November 15th, 1965, that I was born to Wyman and Carolyn Logan in Decatur, Alabama. And then I have a second birthday when I was five years of age in 1970. And I don't know the month. Well, I know the month. I know it's August. And then I know September I got baptized. But I don't know the day. But I got two birthdays. The first one, I was born under Wyman and Carolyn Logan. The second one, I was born into the family of God. And listen to me. That can't change. Yeah, well, what if you go out and drink? Well, if I go out and drink, the same thing that happened at home would happen in my relationship with God. My dad, my dad did not allow drinking in his house. So if I decided that I was going to bring drinking into his house, you know what he would do? 
Do you girls have any idea what my dad would do? He would say, you can't bring that into this house. Now, my dad did some other things that, that probably were probably good. You know, he, My dad didn't want me to say filthy words. My dad one time helped me understand filthy words need to be cleaned up. And so, anybody here know what soap tastes like besides me? Anybody know what that? I know what soap tastes like. Soap doesn't taste good. <laughs> you say, what did you do? Did you quit your cursing? I, in front of him, absolutely. His house. His house. Same thing's true of God. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, that God chasteneth every son whom he loves. You can't get away with sin. God's going to chasten you, just like your mother and dad would say, no, you can't do that in this house. I'm not going to allow you to get away with it. And there's a lot of things I, I got away with. Listen, how many of you got away with a lot that mom and dad didn't know about? <laughs> well, let's try this. Because how many, how many of you have never had a speeding ticket? Would you raise your hand? Never had a speeding ticket? Hold Janet high. Okay. Wow. Okay, thank you. How many of you have had a speeding ticket? Okay. Yeah. I got mine up. I got mine up. All right, now, let, let's ask a better question, all right? All you folks just raised your hand. We kind of feel bad. The folks that raised their hand and said they hadn't got a speeding ticket, they feel good. How many of you folks that raised your hand you've never gotten a speeding ticket have never been guilty of speeding one mile an hour in your life? Nobody. Do you know what that means? You just didn't get caught. Isn't that right? But you know what? God knows everything you do. So He deals with you as a child, one of His children. He will bring chastening, correction. And I'm glad He does. God wore me out. I would be in a place that I shouldn't be. And I would have a verse come back in my mind. That's why, Mom, Dad, it's right to put Scripture in your, in your, in your children's mind. I'd be in a place that I shouldn't be in, doing things I shouldn't be doing. All of a sudden, I would have something like, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills of which cometh my help. My help coming from the Lord, which made heaven. I'd turn around and I'd say, okay, i got to see you guys. I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going Don't talk to me. I'm going. God, just wearing me out. So, God wants you to know that you are His child. My dad... His favorite phrase with his Parkinson's that he always could get, even up to when he died, was always, hey, son. There's a lot of times we couldn't communicate. Boy, but he would get that right. It would be on the phone. Hey, son. I'd walk into the house. Hey, son. And then maybe it'd just be nothing. Boy, but he, that's my boy. Hey, son. I never went to dad and said, dad, am I really yours? They gave me a key. I could go in the house anytime I wanted. You know why? Because I was their child. Listen, when the devil starts bothering you and lying to you that you don't belong to God, I'm telling you, God says you belong to me. You're in my family. You're his child. Hey, son. Hey, daughter. Hey, child. That's what he wants your heart to be full of. So you can confidently say, God's my father. Well, there's some people who don't like you to hear that. God's my father. You can confidently say this. I'm going to heaven when I die. How many of you can say I'm going to heaven when I die? Now, I didn't say you're dying. I'm not looking for anybody. I'm not looking to die either. I'm, I'm not afraid of flying on a plane, but I do know what happens if it crashes. I, look, I, I, I'm just saying. 
I know where I'm going when I die. And there's a lot of people who say, you can't know where you're going when you die. Oh, yes, I can. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That, that, that you might have confidence toward God. That our hearts might be fully assured before Him, knowing that I am a Son of God by faith. And it just gives me confidence. And the Lord wants you to have that. And the devil does. So I just say this. If you don't have that confidence, why don't you go to your pastor? Hey, pastor, I'm struggling. With that. I gave you a lot of verses tonight. Come to me and just ask me a question. I'd love to help you with that. I'd like everybody in here to go out knowing where you're going when you die. Now, if you've never been saved, you know what you need to do? You need to get born again. Becoming a Baptist doesn't make you born again. Becoming a Methodist, Presbyterian, just run the list. Joining a church doesn't put you in the family of God. Faith in Jesus Christ puts you in the family of God. As many as received him. That's what I'd encourage you to do. All right. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit. Washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Lord, thank you for the privilege to have preached tonight to these good people. Lord, thank you for the promises that are in the Bible. And Lord, you know my intention tonight, it was not to make somebody doubt, but to help them to have confidence in their standing with you. To be able to know and to have assurance and perhaps those things in their life. There may be somebody here struggling mightily, Lord. And maybe it's because of sin they've refused to get out. Help them to get rid of that. Maybe it's because they've failed to spend any time in your Bible. Help them to make a decision to, to spend time every day with your precious book. Maybe it's just the devil condemning them. Lord, help them to see that you're greater than our heart. And your promises far outweigh and outreach our self-condemnation. So I pray, God, you'd help these good people when they leave this place that they might know 